Hey everyone, welcome into another bubble edition of the Woj Pod. Here with Phoenix Sun Center DeAndre Ayton, the number one overall pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, one of the best young players in all of the NBA, and one of the authors of this remarkable Phoenix Suns start here in Orlando. Five straight wins, a chance to get into that play-in round against the Memphis Grizzlies. And DeAndre and I had a great conversation touching on a lot of real interesting issues. His relationship with Monty Williams, this turnaround that is starting to develop with the Suns, what it's like to be dropped into the United States as a 12-year-old coming from an island upbringing in the Bahamas and learning about all that comes with being a pro, a basketball prodigy in this country. A great visit with DeAndre Ayton. I think you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. Phoenix Sun Center, DeAndre Ayton. Here with DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns of the 5-0 and restart bubble Phoenix Suns. I mean... DeAndre, is there something about this environment here in Orlando that has benefited your team in this run? I can't say it's the energy when we're off the court. Um, you know, uh, we, feel, we feel the tension and we, we feel it in the air that, you know, people think we're not, we, we shouldn't be here or, you know, you know that when the world talk upon us, uh, other sons, you know how everybody talk on the sons is basically losers. And, you know, us as young guys, we hear all that noise. And us coming together in this bubble, seeing each other every day, see, learning each other's personnel, we got together as a unit and said, we're going we gonna to change our name the way how the world see us. But with action, not saying it, but with action. Along those lines, you guys are playing the other night. Draymond Green's in the studio <laughs> with TNT. And Devin Booker's playing great. And, and you know, essentially, Draymond says... Come on, Book should get out of. He should get out of Phoenix. That he can't stay there. They, we gotta. He's got to be somewhere mm-hmm. else. Did you guys? I imagine you heard about it right after the game. I think. Yeah. I mean, social media. We definitely probably heard that noise. I mean, it's yeah. it was promoted everywhere. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just outside noise. Like we say. Um, I think Book is a dude who really maintained focus, and he just want to win. He's a competitor at his, the highest peak there is in this league, and you know it's just contagious. And seeing him, how he play out there every day. It just spreads, and you know him and I being the head on shows the leading. We always keep together and keep each other ahead. So any any noise like that is non-existent to me. But you know this league is hard, and you you talked about it like they label you as losers, and the team hasn't had success. It's been it's been a rocky last several years, and you've got a young group that's trying to grow together. But it can be hard to break labels in this league. I mean, you guys talk about that amongst each other? I mean, Book and I talk about it, uh, changing the name for ourselves on the way, on the, way the world look at us. Um, it's just competing. He told me, you know, DA, you know, if we just come out here and compete every day, dude's not going to want to play against us. Dude's not going to want to play against this effort, this hard work every day. We just got to stay locked in. And that approach that coach gave us in training camp, that's what really changed us. Uh, he, he gave us a challenge during training camp to where 
how how much do we want it? Anything anything we want with that you know that's compared with success is beyond hard. That's our thing. That's our motto. And training camp was hell. That's the worst training camp I probably you know the hardest training camp I should say I probably ever went through since I've been in the league. So it was kind of crazy. Two training camps in a year. So this one in the bubble was kind of kind of lit. It's probably two weeks of training camp. And it got us in the top shape. Book and I looked at each other. Probably the second game we had, official game. And we were like, this is the best shape I've ever been in. What do young players, when, when you're a young player who comes into the league, and especially on a young team, what is it that you, you think guys don't fully understand or you can't understand until you experience it about what it takes to have success in the NBA? Because you can have some individual success. You can mm -hmm. put some numbers up. Correct. There's a lot of guys putting up points and numbers on bad teams. Mm -hmm. But to have, like, real success, like, what, what, what is it that you just don't know until you start experiencing it? Consistency. Because once that good game makes you feel good and the world is, you know, on your ass about, you know, being great the next couple of days or a uh, couple of days down that week, you're not playing so well, and that hype goes away. And, you know, they have you in this slump to where it's like, yeah, now we're talking bad about you, and you feel that. That's when you're involved in the world. You're not really a competitor or a hooper. You're just, you know, doing it for individual things. A dude who's a competitor played for his team, and no matter how bad he played, he still tried his best to rebound. He still tried his best to play defense, try to make the best hustle play. And, you know, that's just what we finally got through and broke, broke through on this team, finally. Like we finally broke through to where whatever it takes, we have to follow our culture in order to get it up. And that's what we're seeing right now at work. What is the routine like in the bubble? You're essentially playing every other day now. Mm -hmm. You guys are 5-0. and I think you have a back-to-back -back coming up, right? Thunder Philly mm -hmm. on Monday, Tuesday. What do you guys do when – I mean, you, you can only – you're only in the gym so much while you're here. Yeah. Uh, coach. Coach is pretty smart when he, when he want to get us uh, focused. Um, we definitely come downstairs and we do our walkthrough, but it's like a serious walkthrough. There's not really any film. It's you get your, your sheet of paper and you, you learn your personnel. And not really reading what's on your personnel, but knowing that guy watching that film the night before film and knowing. And that's when you know your team is ready. When the dude is right there, not reading the paper and telling you all about what this guy does, what's his tendencies, what's his weakness, what's his strength, off the rip. And that's how it's been throughout this whole bubble. I've never seen it, never experienced this type of walk-through scene, duct tape, <laughs> like a basketball. I've never seen it. The room is empty. Nobody's there. So this experience is like, okay, yeah, this is it. And it just tells me as a player, like, yo, I am built for this because, you know, from day one when I seen how the environment was, how coach – set it up in like a playoff environment, and he told me this is a playoff environment, this is how you got to have growth, that's when I step up and say, okay, this is every day. Monty is, he is a serious yeah. person. He is a serious-minded person. Like, he finds purpose in lots of things that maybe other people don't see necessarily. What was it like when he walked in the door in training camp, in the preseason, in the offseason, and started to try to get to build relationships with you, oh. with Book. What, what, what was that like? That was hard. It was, it was hard. Um, learned a lot of lessons, too. Um, him and with Book and I, um, we're young dudes. So I could see, you know, how 
an OG coach like Coach Money, you know, how do you want to approach us? You know, I can see him trying to get around and just trying to get to know us in today's world, but he's old school. He he telling you how you feel in the right way, in the right man as a man. You take it how you want it. And, you know, with him, he has his individual moments with us. And me, he, he, it's almost like Puck is the older brother, I'm the youngest brother. KO is the second oldest brother, like, you know, in NBA years and being in the league. So it's kind of crazy how he mentors and, you know, how he talks to us because a coach is normally yelling. You know, he, 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 he has a thing where he says he doesn't, he doesn't call us out, he calls us up. And that's big respect on his end because he also gets the all, utmost respect, you know, when we want to confront him about someone when he's in the wrong, in a, in a level, at a level, you know, at a certain level. And, you know, breaking the ice with Coach Monty, talking, having dinners. I didn't really like it at first because, you know, I never really had a coach who was always on my back and really cared, you know, with some parentheses or I, like, really cared, like how they say they do. But, you know, growing up around it, seeing it, not really, you know, giving him so much. And I really built a relationship with him when the suspension came. And then, you know, seeing behind the scenes and, you know, just being vulnerable now. And, you know, Coach Monty was a dude I could be vulnerable with. You know, the big bad monster is really vulnerable. And, you know, Coach Monty is a dude who really talked to me and, you know, just helped me to make the right step throughout every day, every game. And I just got better. I became, I finally became a student of the game during the suspension, finally. You, you, you said one thing there, DeAndre, about when the suspension came, what did you expect his reaction to be? <laughs> and what was his reaction? What was that first conversation like? Well, I told him, I got the news as soon as I came off the plane and we all were loading and getting ready to be selling our hotel rooms in, I think, in Denver. And, you know, I was just planning on how to say it. First person I called was Sarver. I told Sarver. Sarver was shocked. Sarver started making every call in the world. <laughs> you know, he just started doing, his, doing what he had to do to see what the hell is going on. And my mom, everybody, didn't tell him. I waited. I was like, you know what? I got to go tell Monty. But let me call James Jones first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let me call the, the top people first. So I called James and told him what's happening. And him and his Harvard, and they, you know, they doing their calls, and they do what they had to do. Now it's Monty in person. Now it's me putting, meeting Monty in person, and I'm telling him Monty. So this is in the hotel. This is in the hotel room now. I waited so long. It's like twelve o'clock now. And, and just so the people, under, yeah. And so people understand, you get word from the players' association. They do not. The league doesn't necessarily inform the team first. No. It's more of a personal. So you personal. find out. You got to tell them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's really yeah. That's exactly how it is. Right on point. And you know, as to where it's like, it's almost like okay, this is suspension, and me. It's gonna get out sooner or later, so I'm like, okay, but I'm not to tell Mr. I'm not to tell Coach Monty. I'm not to tell Coach Monty. So I'm just on myself, on myself. It's already said and done. Went to his hotel room. The yo coach just knocked on his door randomly. The yo coach, can we talk? How, how long did you stand outside the door before you? I was like, I'll probably stand outside probably a good ten minutes, but not <laughs> even behind the door. Right. I was just taking the slowest walks right. through that hallway. I'm talking more like my hands are sweaty. Too. Should I text him? Should I just wait till he answered and then open the door? Like, I was just, I was on my ass. I understand it. So this, this never happened. But the only thing is I just want to get, tell the right people before, you know, I just don't want to be in the wrong when I already am.
So now I'm telling Coach Imani, he knocked on the door, he think it's good news or whatever. I said, yo, uh, I just got suspended. He's like, huh? And I was like, yeah, they just um, suspended me. I was like, did you see it? He was like, no. And he was like, well, DA, this is just adversity that we have to get over. And I didn't expect nothing like that. I was like, huh? He's like, come sit down. I'm like, okay. Sat down. In the, I was in the love seat, and he was just chilling on the bench next to his bed. And he was like, this is just something that you're going to learn from. This is just a part of your, your, your journey, your dynasty. This is, this is it. This is the part of your story, young buck. And I was like, whoa. But I'm like just so locked in. I'm like, yo, this is not a coach. This is somebody. This is a, this is a reverend. This is a preacher. I don't know what. I don't know what's happening. I'm like so lost. And you know, just hearing that wisdom and you know, again hearing the same thing from my mom, it just made me kind of at ease when he told me the team is gonna be with us and you know we gonna be by your side. And just I just felt like I had hope. I had another chance. And once the team was good with me, I didn't want to feel left out at all. I'm glad Sarver and Mr. Jones gave me a chance to travel with the team, work out when I had to work out. And I became a whole different player. When I tell you I, become a st I became a student of the game, it was actually kind of crazy because I never thought I could sit down and watch film without seeing myself on the screen. And 25-game suspension made me see everything. And came back, I was, I was just on to everything just by watching, just on to everything I seen out there. You talk about Monty in that way and like you said he is not the traditional coach he mm -hmm. comes at it spiritually he comes at it from you know having played the game having accomplished a lot as a coach there's a lot of ways he approaches it with you is is the initial sense is this guy for real is that what you're really yeah. asking at the beginning yeah, basically that's how it was but in like a good way like I didn't expect Somebody, you know, in a, such a competitive sport to, like, you know, really say, what the flip or, you know, like, what the frick? Like, what is going on? Like, that's BS, man. Stuff, just using terminology like that. And it creates a culture because if the head honcho is not doing that, the leader of the team is not using profanity, why should the gym be full with profanity? So when you come in a competitive gym like ours, you're not really hearing no barking. It's just dudes playing their ass off and we going at it. When we're off the court, we're together. That's the culture Coach Imani made. Gratitude, share the ball, defense, be on time. Literally, that's our culture and everybody is bought in. Because if you're not, you're going to be showing up. And your teammate who has your back or your brother who has your back is going he's gonna, to he's gonna confront you in the most productive way. And we some young dudes, so it's like, you confronting me? No, we have some humility on this team now to where it's like, yeah, Dude on the last bench or the dude who don't play could tell you you're not doing your job right, dude. That's how it is on this team now. And that, too, when you think of last year, was that kind of accountability around yeah. in the locker room, in the mm -hmm. facility, on yeah. the court? Did you ever feel that there was accountability? Guys felt that. Yeah, I would say nobody was – nobody was – I would say – Nobody was held accountable at all for their actions. You know, um, I would say it was, it was nobody lead or step, to be honest, because we just saw you did that, so why are you telling me to stop? It's almost like it would be hypocrisy in the air, a bunch of hypocrisy. And it would, I won't say they were hypocrites, but 
nobody wanted to test that line or cross that line into, you know, confronting your brother in my first year. And, you know, Monty just broke that ice in a way. I don't know how he did it, but it's just the guys who, who, who who's on the team, uh, his culture that he brought, the coaches that he brought with him is just – just the whole culture. I don't know. The environment's changed. There's some good dudes who really, who just really want to play basketball, but they're really good in the art. Just. For people who've never been in a locker room, who've never mm. traveled with an NBA team, who've never competed against the guys you have to compete with night in, night out, <laughs> what happens in an environment that you just described where there isn't the accountability, there isn't guys um, – Guys are doing what they want without any repercussions. And when you got young guys who are just – you're just coming into the league. Yeah. Book's been there, but it's really just been a lot of losing. Mm-hmm. What, what happens to the environment? Um, it depends on what type of person you are. Me, I think I'm built for this. I've always been a leader. And me, first thing I see is all the things that I'm not used to. So seeing a dude – not being accountable for his actions, I'm going to find some way to friend that dude up and see what his personnel is on why he thinks that's okay or why he thinks can't can nobody talk to him when he explode like that. You know, that's just how I am. And me, I show by example. I work my ass off so nobody can say nothing to me. And I made that, I made that a consistent thing. Like, you, when I finally say something, you just going to know what I'm talking about. It's not no argument or, hey, like, yo, get your ass back or something. No. It's, you see me back, like, come on, let's go. And you just do the same thing. So me as coming into the league, seeing all of this, it was it's either you're going to be a part of that and adjust to that bad habit or you're going to keep going and keep going until better comes. Because in this league, you only control what you can control. So when you say individual and the team's losing individual stats, I won't say that's what I go for, but at the end of the day, you still have to play hard. And that's the results of the game. Simple. If it's good stats, bad stats, I try my best. But I'm letting the, the important people on the team see that I'm working my ass off and I belong here, basically, just coming into the league as a young man and seeing if things aren't the way how they're supposed to be or the league's supposed to be, I just control what I can control, really. If I'm this dude, number one pick, all that, rada, 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 I'm going to show you. I'm going to do my best to show you I'm that. But I can't control nobody else. I just can show the examples and – when I do learn terminology of this league, I'm going to start speaking up, like how I do now, like on the court. I mean, it's showing results now. I'm the anchor. I'm the, I'm the quarterback calling out every play, every call these dudes have, any back screen, flare screens, all of that. Offensive end, taking care of that as well. No matter. Screening, getting open, alley-oop, offensive rebounds, don't matter. Don't matter. Everybody doing it. How much of that comes from watching film and <laughs> digging into it? You said – watching film that doesn't include you on mm-hmm. it, which was something you said you didn't do as well when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me, I never really like watching basketball if I'm not on the screen. Because it's like, why would I want to watch this dude if I could do the same thing? But, you know, I was just ignorant me. I was just being very ignorant as a young dude or this young player. And seeing that 25 games, how it hit me, it's like, well, what player, like, what are you now? Basically, what am I now? Like, you ain't in college, dude. Like, what are you? Like, really, what am I? So I'm like, man, I ain't getting paid, so what am I? I'm not a player right now. I just go to the gym and work out. So what I did was I sat my butt down and learned about every team. 
every team we played, every team I think we would play if we made playoffs, just imagining and reading, learning dudes' moves, learning their plays, learning dudes' favorite plays on what they love, their money, and just really taking and stealing it, <laughs> just learning. And when I got back on the court, I think I was on every little thing, on every ball switch. I do was like to draw fouls. I was on. It was just so much content that dudes were sending me to my phone when I wasn't at the games. Because the pain I had leaving the games, leaving arena before the game was worse. Seeing my teammates walk in while I walk out. And that's where all this anger and energy in the bubble. Now they got me in the bubble. I think that's the worst thing the NBA could do to me. <laughs> Made me focus so much now. I feel like I'm back in college going for the number one draft pick. That's how it feels. I'm so focused. It's like, don't really care what's happening on the outside. That's why I think we're making some noise. You mentioned the bubble. Listen, this league may have to be in a bubble again next year. It might not be one place for months. It might be, I think what they're talking about is like one month at a time, like a few different bubbles and then... I can see tournaments. Yeah, everybody might go back home and then go to another region where there's other teams playing each other. How sustainable does this feel to you? Now, you guys are 5-0. and oh, It's been Me? nothing but great. Yeah. I but think... you're around all your, your peers, your competitors. Yeah. Is this sustainable for two years? For two years? The NBA is powerful, man. You feel me? The NBA has the best players in one city right now. You can't say nothing about it. And we don't want to be home. I want to. Obviously, we wish we could be with our family, but dude, we've been in the house for four months. It's not that not gonna work. I'm sorry, it's not gonna work. I'm a competitor. I can't be in the house, keep dribbling in front of nobody or somebody that's trying to guard me. It's not gonna work. I need to be in my natural habitat. So obviously, this is an outlet for us. We have families to feed. We got basically got to do. That's all I gotta say. And. This is something we love to do. I think the NBA is take this is a this is this is a, a system that is so legit to me. I don't mind it to be honest. The only thing I'm worried about is trying to make the playoffs all around to see my family if I could still play. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's the only goal. That would be the only cool thing for me. DeAndre, when you were young, I think when you're young and you have size, sometimes with different guys you wonder. Did you find basketball or did basketball find you? Definitely basketball found me. I mean, basketball wasn't the first sport for, uh, for a minute. Uh, I'll say in the Bahamas, I played a lot of soccer, softball and soccer, but mainly soccer. I didn't know why I loved that sport so much. I still do, but I just was legit in that one sport. I played a forward striker. I just wanted to, I wanted to go. I'm the kid that is headhunting the goal every time. Like, I'm the biggest dude, move out of my way, and that's what I was known for. You could just go straight line? I can go straight line in front of all those little kids. I can kick the ball for a jump over those little kids. That's how I was. Like, I could still do all of that if I was on the field. Like, I don't know. You just need a feeling in the net outside, and you can see it yourself. But, like, honestly, soccer was the first sport that my mom realized, okay, soccer ain't it no more. Like, you're getting too big for these kids or whatever. That, it was a whole thing. And was there mom, a lot of complaining about A lot of complaining, parents? literally yeah. a lot. So that was not a thing because I really was trucking kids on the ground. Like, it was, that was my sport. And then I got into this band because my mom never wanted me around my neighborhood because 
she never wanted me at home because I was a big dude. But these dudes around the neighborhood don't know I'm a, only a baby. <laughs> like, come on, like he's like ten, bro. He's ten, but I'm damn near almost six foot. And these dudes five nine, five eight, grown men. But they say, nah, we want dudes. We want, come on, bro, come hang with us. Mom was like, ah. She put me in a band, a marching band. That marching band season got over with. It was only like a month. The we tuba. Got, yeah. The, no, not the tuba. No. It was the trumpet and the drums. Okay. Yeah. And that season got over, so now we have a whole month of August before our school starts. And my mom was like, ho, 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 wait, wait, wait. You're not staying home at all while I'm at work. You're going to this little basketball camp that they have <coughs> showcasing in the Bahamas. Clay Thompson, Jeremy Tyler, and somebody else was there. But Jeremy Tyler was a big-time player yes. as a young player. Trust me and Jeremy Tyler had the same mentor, right. high school mentor. Mm-hmm. And that's who seen me, Jeremy Tyler. Clay Thompson came, and you know his dad, Michael Thompson, was the first number one draft pick from the Bahamas. So that's how they got there and given back, basically. And that's what they inspired me. Because now I'm like, whoa, this is a different world. Who are these dudes? Like, I'm seeing dudes taller than me. I thought I was the tallest dude in the Bahamas. So now they're just like, you know, raving like, oh, this kid is what, 10, 12? Oh, wow, wow. And, you know, they asked me, who's my parents? And my mom waited to come pick me up, and they spoke. Keep in t- uh, he, Jeremy Tyler, gave a contact uh, of his of his people that was in America in San Diego to my mom, and they finally spoke over a month, telling them they have a little scholarship, they see potential, all that, rada rada to sell dreams. And boom, DeAndre's in the States at 12 years old. Mom stayed for four days, mom left. Now DeAndre on his own. And this is where it all started now. So, yeah. What did you learn about, in this country, Mm-hmm. how this system treats young players with potential, with size. They see your size. They see your talent. They see you have a desire to be really good at it. And it brings a lot of people mm-hmm. out of the woodwork toward you who want a piece of you, who see you as a commodity when you're just a young person who just literally, you said, gets dropped I'll in the country. What is that like to go through? I'll tell you this. I'm not the typical kid that went through what all these kids went through. I was like a gem. You ever seen Lord of the Rings? And when mm-hmm. you have that ring, you get evil. You, you get, a, like, your power gets, you know, take you over. And that's what they did. So the dude, the mentor that had me the first years of my life in America, he trained me so well fundamentally to where... I was natu- It almost looked like I was naturally gifted, like I had this all along. I just didn't know what to do with it. Any drill, anything that he gave me, I was on it. So it was like, you know, it's like they feel like, what the heck? What is this? I can see it on their faces, but I don't know what it means. I can remember like it was yesterday, the way I could see their face, the way how hard I work. And, I want, and I'm a foreign exchange, so it's the only thing my mom left, so now I'm with you. So basically, I got to make you smile or... You know, this is my report card to you of me getting better. I would see the gym from 5 a.m., go to school, come back, gym again. I'm talking about, I'm training. Like, I thought this was a free scholarship. I thought I was going to live in a nice house. Nah. You're living with, you're living in the slums in San Diego, Lincoln Park, Lemon Grove. Like, I'm growing up rough. So now, this ain't nothing my mom's seen. 
We was in the hotel for four days right. until she left. Yeah. So now we switched she Checked up out of me. the Marriott. Yeah. Out of there. Right. We was at the Sheraton downtown <laughs> in San Diego. I still remember the hotel. So now I'm seeing how the terminology changed. The dude was cursing. First time I've been hearing like a cuss, American curse. Like, you know, just so shocked on how he's, you know, attacking me in a way. And I was like, I don't want him to attack me no more. So I'm working harder. Dang. Still attacking me. What do you want? So I'm making all these shots. I'm being a robot now on anything this man says, tells me. As a foreign exchange student, no, but I'm learning terminology. I'm hearing things I've never heard before. And it's like, you know, rendering through my head at 12 years old. I think at 12 is where I became a man when I started learning. And I started seeing the environment I was living around. And mixing in with basketball is like, holy moly. Seeing how the kids would rave about me when I'm doing good on the court, come back home, like you ain't basically, you ain't jack. But going back out in the world, seeing everybody praise me, I'm, I was so confused. I was just so confused. So I was really hidden. I, they, they, their power got their power. They took their power to where it was like they would show me for a little bit and take me away. So social media phone. I didn't have my first phone. I think to. The ending of my senior year going to college, because I was hidden. They really hid me. They didn't teach me about social media. They didn't teach me about anything. Cell phones, I barely could have called my mom. You know, so the way how those other kids live in the light, I never really had that. You know what I'm saying? I had to, like, really, like, go ahead and search for that when I got older and start seeing how it is when I'm either at a basketball camp being around other players and they say, yo, you don't have a phone. What, dog? You don't have Instagram or Twitter? What? That's how I started learning, being around like Trey Young, Billy Preston, Wendell Carter, anybody in my class. That's when I started learning the terminology and seeing how they clown around. I was like, oh, but it was like I was good. So it, so it was cool to be around me because right. I was the top dude. But I don't know jack I don't know nothing. I just know how to hoop. So, yeah, I was really hidden. I didn't really know about that world. So when them dudes talked their business, I didn't know nothing. They didn't ever communicate with my family. They just did what they had to do. They already had their hands on me. So, yeah. That's why I said I was like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Being in this bubble with your team and playing, winning five straight, you know, getting to the, you know, you're trying to get into that play in. Is there a spirit about your group that, like, we want to stay in this thing. Like, we want to, this is fun. Like, yeah. we want to keep going. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to feed off, piggyback off what Book said. You could tell. We've been working over those quarantine. I'm not gonna lie. I took quarantine so serious because I didn't know when this book. I didn't know when the NBA was gonna come back. And they could have said to me, you know what I'm saying? They could have said the first week of quarantine. Said, yo, y'all got to be ready next month. At the end of the day, we supposed to be playing the time we're off. I'm like, yeah, we gotta be ready. So that's the only thing I was running to my mind. And I was telling myself throughout the whole quarantine, I do not want to be that dude left behind. I already got suspended. Already missed half of that. Most of that, then injury. Only played 30 games, so I'm already like, my head's like, you know, it's screwed on so tight. You know, when you screw something on so tight, it just pop. You know what I'm saying? Because you over-tighten it. That's how my head is right now. It's crazy. And the way how vocal I am, the whole team is hearing it and feeling that energy. It don't matter how tired you are. We ain't tired. We're not tired. I'm telling you, me and Book look at each other and say, yo, how are we not tired? We're not feeling nothing. I'm talking about treatment now. I just did a whole workout with myself 
and it's supposed to be pro day. No, it's feeling good. It's being the players like, dang, I really just came up here to put up some shots. But I put up a lot, sweating, not even know I'm sweating, but I just came in and got it in. But like, now I'm seeing what type of professional player I'm becoming. Like, dang, I can see myself playing 100-plus games. I can see myself playing over because I'm maintaining, being consistent with my body and treatments, the stuff that I didn't want to do my first year that I need for long-term, longevity. As soon as I get to the hotel, I'm in the ice tub. So just seeing that an approach. And now you're a threat from yeah, behind from the, the three-point three. arc. And the thing is, I know, I know for a fact everybody's like, nah, he can't shoot that. But no, nah, it's a pity they don't know. That's, that's what I love. I want to do that. I love to do that. But I'm just waiting for somebody to really bite on one pump fake, honestly, just to rip the rim down. That's what I want to be known for, to be honest. Just show you that I'm capable at that three. I really want to get to this rim. You know what I'm saying? So the league is definitely changing. I could definitely see how people is guarding me. They're guarding me. I'm getting triple team, double team, but I'm learning. I love the pass. I love to see the weak side. It's just this bubble is throwing a lot. It's throwing a lot at us. You know, dudes is under underestimating us. are coming out cool, but we ain't got no cool sleeves, dude. We already got enough cool dudes. You got Devin Booker and Kelly Oubre. That's the coolest dudes in the, in the <laughs> game right now. So we've been around cool. We already got the swag. We need a young dude, so it's like we got nothing to lose. That's how we coming. Well, we got Stephen Adams coming up, Joel Embiid mm -hmm. on Monday. Suns are trying to run the table in here. DeAndre, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate oh, you yes, sir. taking you the time to do me. this. Yes, sir. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you today to Phoenix Suns center DeAndre Ayton. You can listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out the Low Post with Zach Lowe, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst, and of course, the SVP Pod with the great Scott Van Pelt. We'll talk to you soon again from the bubble. Everyone stay safe and be well. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.